We've been looking at this concept over and over and over again. So get your version app open or your notes and let's, let's jump into this. Because the truth is, is that in Christ we can and should live untroubled in a troubled world. We've kind of already hinted to it that, you know, that we can look at our world and we can see the trouble all over it. I mean, there's just some mess. There's just some stuff. And the very first week, if you want to go back and get into the archives, we looked at why trouble. Why in the world is there even trouble at all? We talk about this good, awesome, wonderful God, and yet we see stuff that just says, man, if, if God's so great, why didn't he stop this mess? Why didn't he intervene? Why is there so much pain? And we addressed that, and we looked at that in week one, and we can easily just begin to focus on all of that. But he's spoken something to us. Jesus wants us to live in a different way and provided a way for us to live significantly different. And he had some trouble coming up, some significant trouble. In fact, right after this long conversation that we have a piece of in John chapter 16, the process of him going to the cross begins and he gets arrested there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that, that the whole uh, farce of a court system and everything that took place and all of that begins to take place and culminates with him being crucified and that's about to go down his disciples were in no shape form or fashion ready for that he had p told them point blank he tells Peter at one point and just tells him point blank what's going to happen and Peter jumps in his face he gets all up in Jesus' grill and says, no, no, no. And then Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. Pretty harsh words. I don't ever want to be called Satan by Jesus. And so, but his right-hand man, who he told, you know what, on this rock, you, Peter, and what you've just declared, I'm going to build my entire church. Jesus was just bringing some necessary correction. Sometimes you and I need to be corrected. But in John 16, 33, he's preparing his disciples and he's told them a bunch of stuff and trying to get them ready for it. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He wants you to have peace. Please know that. Please know that the Prince of Peace, the one who we choose to make Lord and King as Christ followers, if you're not a Christ follower, you haven't made that decision yet. But those of us that have... We, he's, he's, our, he's, our, he's the prince of peace. He wants us to have peace. But we recognize this, that we're in a place that can easily be rocked, easily not have peace. So he tells us that. In this world, you will have trouble. Why couldn't he have said might? Why couldn't he have said, mm, if things don't go just right, there'll be a little bit tiny bit of trouble? No, he says this bold, emphatic statement that all of us can go, yep. Jesus was right when he said that one. All of us can lift our hands high and go, "Woo!" He was right. I've had some trouble in this world. In this world, you will have trouble. But then he comes in. He comes back to that peace point and says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And right now, I want us to just take for a moment, and he's got his guy sitting there and and. All the wheels are about to come off in the disciples' minds. And Jesus isn't doing miracles in front of them. He isn't taking some, <clears throat> some, some meal and, and uh, some bread and 
doing one more miraculous thing and turning it into a big old pile of, of Mrs. Baird's over here. He's not sitting there and doing one more, grabbing a fish out of a brook and multiplying it and having a whole school of fish right there. He's not finding one more person to, that's sick and healing them. He's not demonstrating his miraculous power right here before all, of the, all the wheels are about to come off. He's speaking to them. He's saying something. He's encouraging them. He's coaching them. He's giving them a promise. Folks, we have to get it deep down inside. That just because Jesus isn't with us and we have his written word and his written promises, that somehow if he was with us, he would interact with us in a different way. Why couldn't I just have him right there in my deep, deepest, darkest moments? Right before myself, I would just love for Jesus to just all of a sudden turn my water into a little bit of wine. Woo, I could use some wine. Not really. And, uh, the, uh, you know, and all of a sudden we begin to wish we could just have this little miraculous thing. When guess what? When his disciples were about to go into their deepest moment, he spoke to them. And we have his words preserved for us. Why? Because when you're in your deepest moment, his words are still there for you. You can have the same strength, the same interaction with God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and encourages us. Please get that when Jesus said to his disciples that it is good for me to go away so that the Holy Spirit could come as he wasn't just trying to appease them. It was true. It is good that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And it is amazing that we have the Holy Spirit to be able to guide and direct us. It changes everything because the word and his word and our reaction to it can change everything. But guess what? Jesus' words aren't the only words. You and I have some words. You and I speak all the time. You and I have some interactions. And when we talk about trouble, we all understand that the thing that can get us in trouble the most is that right there. We all know, man, this or that, man, my mouth can get me into trouble. As my wife can testify, that my mouth can get me into trouble. You know, and sometimes it, we think that the issues are, especially as new believers, we think that it's about our, that our words are more about the content, when really it's about the heart. I remember as I was sitting there and still as a new dad, Keenan was a little bitty guy, he was about not even three years old yet, and uh, um, one of his favorite movies. Anybody seen the movie Homeward Bound? Old movie with some two dogs and a cat. They got separated and they make this amazing journey. And it's a sweet, little, low-rated, you don't think there's anything that you don't want your little ones to repeat in this movie. But sure enough, what does Keenan, the little three-year-old <coughs> kid, want to do? But he grabs a hold of the one thing. He doesn't really have a comprehension of what it is. He doesn't really know what it means. But he just comes in there. And I'm up early one Saturday. And 
in the kitchen getting ready for some breakfast, and I was going all out pouring bowls of cereal. And so, Father of the Year, making the breakfast. Hey, I was doing the work. And uh, so, doing, making the bowls of cereal, and Keenan comes out of his room and walks in there to the kitchen, and he's got his little sleepy eyes in there, and he's rubbing his eyes. And I, I said, good morning, Keenan. And he decides he's going to quote Homer Bound. He says, real sweetly, good morning, you flat-faced butt sniffer. <laughs> I'm like, what? Sorry, moms and dads. It was in a kid's movie. And, uh, and so he had no idea that that was offensive. It was just a little greeting to him. He had no idea his heart was as pure as it could possibly be. There was no genuine offense in it, even though there was some stuff that I'd rather him not call me. And so, and, uh, and so thankfully, he learned that we don't repeat that part of your little favorite movie. And uh, to my knowledge, he never said it again. Hopefully, he didn't pull it out on the playground or something like that. But um, anyways, but it was... It was, the, it was the content of the heart that becomes the issue. So many times we can get wrapped up in the words, all right? And so let's get beyond just the niceties of certain words and different things. Because how many of us know that we've received some pretty backhanded compliments in our lives? Some people have been incredibly hurtful and sarcastic and never dropped a four-letter word to us ever. And we've had some people who've built us up in life and they'd have made your grandma blush if they had heard what they had to say to you and the way they said it. But their heart was engaged in something life-giving. Our words is, matter. Our words matter incredibly. See, they can be life-giving or they can be troublemaking, and we know this. We understand this. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We have to understand how incredibly powerful our words are. And those of us that take the Bible seriously, we roll all the way back to the front of this big old book, and we go to first book and first chapter, and we get into Genesis 1.1, and we begin to see how the worlds and everything we interact with are created, and we see that God looked out onto the world to the space, to the universe, and then it was completely, was void and without form. And what does he do? He speaks. He speaks and lets there be light and enjoys it. Then he speaks again and he speaks again and he speaks again and he speaks again. Those of us who have understand and embrace a creator, and whether you get into a, a legitimate one, two, three, seven, <coughs> seven literal calendar days, or you look at it a little bit different, and you look at it as seven periods that we reference as days, we're going to break this down and say, God spoke each one of those into existence. It should not be surprising to us that us being made in His image, that our words have power, that our words matter, that our words are, can tear down and our words can build up, and that as Christ followers, if we're going to be mindful about anything in life, we should be mindful about our words. I want to take a moment right here and just first off say, we've, I've prayed that there would not be any condemnation or anything. I understand the frustration. I understand things come out. What we're wanting to say is let's just have a baseline 
of moving forward and allowing our lives to shift. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I grew up in a household that, uh, well, if you've been to Twisted Root, the other day they had the sign that says sarcasm is one of the services they offer. And so um, we understand that in the Clark household. We're, we like to tease. We like to pick on each other. We'll, we mess with each other. And, um, so it, and we're able to do it in a, typically in a lighthearted way. Every once in a while somebody's feelings get hurt. And, um, but, you know, you, you walk into our house and, you know, you think you're going to go into the pastor's house and everybody's just going to be like, you know, s- singing songs to each other. And, oh, good morning. You look lovely today. And, you know, and no, we're doing this, some of the same stuff you do. It's like, you know, um, you are going to brush your hair, right? You know, and, um, you know, and just messing, just teasing, just picking on each other. It's just the way we do. And, and, um, um. And so, and that was just the way I was, I grew up. And I didn't recognize and understand that not everybody got that. Not everybody connects with that. Not everybody finds that that's, that that's some sort of just, just connecting in, in a love language. And so, uh, in fact, you know, when I w- first uh, kind of saw my wife and per- began to uh, be attracted to her and saw her, you know, I did some, some teasing things. She, back in the early 90s. Anybody remember those very colorful uh, windsuits? Very colorful windsuits. I'm not making fun of you. I'm saying that I once made fun of you, and you forgave me, and I'm talking about it again. (laughs) You'll forgive me again. And, uh, but anyway, so one of my first interactions with her is, is we would um, sadly, I, I didn't remember her name the way I should have, and um, and so uh, uh, so it just called her Mrs. Funny Pants, and so because she had funny looking pants, and so and uh, so we would just call her that, and she just rolled with it and understood that, and so there were some kind of jokes that grew off of Mrs. Funny Pants and some and some clown shoes and some makeup jokes and some of that kind of stuff, and so but it was all it was all it was all low level second grade pathetic flirting. It was very sad, sad flirting attempts, but next month we'll be married 22 years, so something worked. (laughs) All right, you obeyed God. You took one for the kingdom. And so, but anyways, I was that way, and if people, there's some people that knew me in college that are part of our team here today, and, um, I would tease people, and there's a scripture that was just, I was continually, I got tired of hearing. It was uh, Proverbs 26, 18, and 19. It says, like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. I would just tease with people, and people would get their feelings hurt. And then they would, I would find out, and they would bring this scripture to me, and, and I was like, I was, just, I was just joking around. I can't believe your feelings are hurt. I'm so sorry. And they're like, blah, 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 look at Proverbs. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get better at this, or maybe you'll get tougher. I don't know, but come on. You need some inner healing. And, um, and so, but I had, to, I, had, I had to learn how to begin to be more purposeful and conscientious about 
my words because even some of my friendly words were hurtful. And that's sad because the intent of my heart was not to hurt anybody's feelings. I was just messing around. And so we want to be conscientious of this. Proverbs 15.4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. It's one of the greatest lies ever perpetrated. You know, and we tell our little ones so that they can try to toughen up a little bit. And we, we tell them this little saying of, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And you know what? And even as we try to tell them that, to, to kind of that be the retaliation of somebody says something hateful to you and you just kind of throw that at them and go, you're never going to hurt me. Are they walking away unscathed? No. They're walking away wounded. They're walking away hurt. We know that these words are hurtful. We should have changed it a long time ago and, and begin to teach our kids that harsh words and tones break hearts and homes. But love will always heal me. That was what we need to tell them. So don't get in the middle of that. Don't get wrapped up in all of that. And in fact, James chapter 3, he tells us this. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our God and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. He didn't say, get on to us about how we deal with each other as Christ followers. You shouldn't be dealing with your brother that way. He's talking about people who aren't Christ followers, just all of humanity. All of humanity who've been made in God's likeness. If anybody should walk around aware of each person's value, it should be you and I. It should be you and I. We should do it, whether they recognize the value in themselves or not. Whether they treat themselves and everybody else like trash, we ought to be able to look at them and look at them different and be able to speak life into them and recognize that in the middle of all this mess and hurt and pain and the way that they're reacting, that that person was made in the image of God and interact with them based on that true, real likeness. He goes on to say, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. He's speaking to you and I. He's saying you and I do it. And I think we'll all be honest and say we do. And he simply says, it shouldn't be this way. Let's get it in our mindset that it just because it's been this way for a long time, just because there's these things that we can kind of make allowances for it, Let's get it in our hearts and minds that this is not the life-giving way to live. There's a better way to live. See, our words can break the cycle of trouble. They can just break it. Trouble comes into our lives, especially relational trouble, and we're going to talk about that next week. The trouble comes into our lives... Our response to it can begin to shift and totally pull all the power out of that whirlwind. Peter writes, do not repay evil with evil. And he gets real specific. Or insult 
with insult. Most of us go, you know what? I, I don't typically repay evil with evil. Well, what about this? The insult for insult. Somebody does something meaning on purpose with, with meaning behind it, maybe accidentally. And all of a sudden, whether it's around the house, at work, driving down the road, what we're supposed to do, don't repay evil with e evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. I love uh, Pastor John tells a story about him and Miss Ann driving down the uh, interstate there in Dallas. and He's sitting there and <clears throat> driving and the, the traffic's going really, really slow. And sure enough, here comes this guy on this <clears throat> motorcycle, Kawasaki Ninja-like motorcycle. And he just was just ripping down the line, white line, shooting between the cars and just just scares him. Pastor John, my pastor, my mentor, man of God of my life, screams, idiot! <laughs> and Miss Ann, just without saying anything to him, begins to go, Lord, take care of him. Bless him. He has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't know who he's putting in danger. Lord, I just thank you for angels going around him. He's like, oh, I'm the director of a Bible school. <laughs> and this lady knows how to respond to this. It's counterculture. It's counter our fleshly nature. Our natural response is to bow right back up and strike right back. But if we'll allow the Spirit of God to move in us, things will shift. And all of a sudden, we'll begin to be an agent of change, an agent of healing, instead of bringing more trouble to the thing. How many people have been stabbed over an accidental insult? Over a little thing that could have been overlooked? How many different families have, been, have rifts? How many of us aren't going to see people this holiday season because of something that got said or misquoted or misunderstood and got responded to and 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 now we just can't even be in the same room with each other anymore? <laughs> It's divisive, it's destructive. For whoever would love life and see good days. <laughs> if you want a good life, good days. Must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. First Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love in faith and in unity. I got a rude awakening on this years ago. First I want to say go catch, you beat Permian. That is hard for me to say because I graduated from Permian. And uh, hey, it was, it was a good time. My senior year, year we beat Central. I mean, uh, they beat us. Woo, Lord help me. And, um, but, uh, anyways, I had, I uh, was sitting up in the stands cheering 
And uh, there was a guy at the end of the stands that I had gone to elementary school with. Had no relationship with this guy, friendship, whatnot, whatsoever. You've got those people you go to school with that you just don't connect with. You just don't do anything with. You just happen to go to school with them. And there was a guy who was that way that I'd gone from elementary school all the way this our senior year. And in about the fourth grade, I got real excited about the things that God had, had, had that's when I really got uh, connected. And, and I obviously felt the God, call of God on my life. And, and like many of us, we get excited and kind of jump ahead. And, and I carried my little pocket New Testament, and I'd carry it out on the playground. And I'd open it up and randomly read something and just kind of preach to the little kids on the schoolyard, and they got to, to know me as the, the preacher of the fourth grade, and, and then the, the little fourth grade uh, lovebirds, the little uh, boys, friends, and girlfriends came to me and said, you know, we want you to, to marry us out on the playground. So I um, did my first wedding in the fourth grade, and so, uh, and, uh, so I'd stand out there by the, uh, by the little parallel bars. I remember right where we would do it. And uh, so I'd stand out there, and they would come, and they would stand, and and uh, so I'd open up, and I'd read who knows what, and I would just read something to them, and then, uh, you know, I would, you know, tell them, you know, that, that they were now married. And um, so uh, teacher, uh, amazingly, got offended at me marrying kids and saying that somehow I did not honor the sanctity of marriage, and, um, you know, and uh, who would have believed that? And um, didn't really take it seriously, and she thought I was just being, it was a big joke, which I guess it kind of was, because it wasn't serious. And anyway, so that was just who I was in the fourth grade, and sadly that wasn't who I was all the time. And by the time I get to my senior year, I had had a life-changing moment summer before my senior year, forever. I can look back at my spiritual growth and mark that moment summer before my senior year. The problem is, is that it was deep on the inside of me, and it didn't really show up. It, it grew slowly, and the, the, the leaves and the stuff didn't, didn't really bloom, but that root and that seed was in there growing, and I really was changed. And this is a few months after that, and I'm still raw and a little more rough on the outside. I'm cheering at a football game, and, and Permian does something, something dumb, and, and lose the ball, and I stand up in the bleachers, and I just go to just ripping it, and I'm like, you sorry, blah, 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 and I'm just cussing up a storm, and um, all of a sudden, I hear this guy, this guy's voice say, Brandon Clark, and I'm like, and, uh, and uh, he says, uh, he says, man, you are finally one of us, you used to be such an effing holy roller. And I was like, oh. because I, I had a relationship with God. I did. I had a relationship with God. There was something real growing in me. But all of a sudden, my reaction, oh, that, was, that was what they saw. And somehow the seeds I'd planted and, and who he knew me to be, all of a sudden, because of what I said, he's like, you're finally one of us. Our words, they matter. We are <clears throat> examples. People do read that. They do see that. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in complete earnestness and the love we've kindled in you, see that you excel in this grace of giving as well. The way we use our words is something we should be excellent at. 
And lastly, we want to look at this truth that our words can build up others and point people to the love of God. 1 Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, let him, <clears throat> let him do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. James had told us that no man can tame the tongue. So all of a sudden, you're like, what is this, hopeless? No, we're not looking for you to tame your tongue. We're looking for you to yield it to the Holy Spirit. We're looking for you to allow him to speak. We're looking for him to do it. If we try to tame it, all of a sudden, that's just one more religious thing we're trying to put on and put a little religious vice on our tongue. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want a bunch of say this and don't say this, all of these different things. God wants to remember this go dials all the way back to the heart. Jesus told his disciples it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. This goes all the way back to heart. It's not about the, how many letters are in your, the words you use. It's not about any of those pieces. It's about the heart. The thing that made Bobby Little recognize was that those four-letter words I chose best matched the hate and the anger I was throwing at the field. It was the hate, it was the anger, it was the attitudes of the heart that I was dealing with that were destructive. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. How do we build each other up? Let's see each other. Let's respond to each other with that they're made in the likeness of God. How do you build up that abusive boss at work? You see him, you see her in the image of God that they've been created and you begin to speak life into that. You begin to respond to that. You begin to let the God nature on the inside of you connect with the, that God seed on the inside of them. Let's let all this other stuff be pushed aside and let's make these connections and all of a sudden life can be genuinely different. All of a sudden the love of God begins to change people. The love of God begins to deal with it. The love of God begins to cut through the mess and instead of dealing and responding to each other's surface responses and surface actions and surface choices, let's deal with each other on a deeper, more life-changing, real level. That image of God on the each, inside of each of us level. Otherwise, all we're doing is just stirring the top of it and nothing is being changed down in the root of anything. We may feel good about ourselves. We may be, ooh, I told them. Ooh, I stood up for God on this. You know what? God's a big God. He's been standing on his own for eternity. He doesn't need us to stand up for him. He needs us to love. That's what he needs us to do. He needs us to love. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
You know, so many times people can take that little scripture out of context and apply grieving the Holy Spirit to so many different things. Well, oh man, you using tobacco grieves the Holy Spirit. Oh, you doing this grieves the Holy Spirit. Oh, you doing that grieves the Holy Spirit. Oh, the length of your skirt grieves the Holy Spirit. Oh, the this grieves the Holy Spirit. You know what grieves the Holy Spirit? Us being hateful to each other. Us being destructive with our tongues to each other. Us not being loving to each other. Let's stay in context with what the grief in the Holy Spirit is, is what Paul says. Not <clears throat> treating each other like we were created in the image of God. Get all the bitterness. Folks, you and I should not be known as a bitter people. We should not be on... YouTube and different places ranting and raging. We should be lifting up and loving. We should be pointing people to their creator and the one who and the one who created a way in Christ Jesus for us to be made right with him. All brawling and slander and every other form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ forgave you. The stuff that we want to respond to, the insults, the incorrect thoughts, the incorrect deals that we so want to correct and jump in the middle of, what's our response to that? It's forgiveness. That's our response to it. That's how we diminish it. That's how he dealt with it. That's how he took the power out of it. It was forgiveness. You know why sin doesn't have a hold on you anymore? Because it's forgiven. It's forgiven. That's what took it away. That's what dealt with it. It was forgiveness. But forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I want us to all be encouraged today. I don't want anybody beat up or feel beaten down by what has been said or any of those different things. I don't want this to be a vocabulary lesson day. I want this to be a heart honest day. I want us to be a people who build one another up. I want us to be a people who love one another. I want us to be a people that when insults are thrown, we're able to bring back love and forgiveness. That's the only thing that's going to take the power out of the whirlwind of the mess and the trouble that we're in. Grace, forgiveness, Love is what makes all that dissipate. And you and I can bring that into these engagements when we allow and yield our tongues over to the Holy Spirit.